Well, on Easter Sunday night, um, we've had a great day and had a big meal. How many have had a big meal with family? Tonight I'm going to preach on gluttony. No, <laughs> just joking. John chapter number 20, I just want to share a thought with you uh, from the Word of God as we think about Easter and the resurrection of the Lord and, and uh, just as we kind of think about this evening. And I'm going to preach on the subject of the Easter Sunday night service. And there really was one in the Bible. And you don't believe me, but if you'll turn to John chapter number 20, you'll find it there. And John chapter number 20, as I said to you, I wish you could take the time to, to read it. This is the, the story of Mary Magdalene. It, I, I, we used Mark this morning, but this goes into when Mary stands there weeping. And uh, she is talking to the angel, but then in verse number 15, Jesus said to her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she, supposing him to be the gardener, said unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him thence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said unto her, Mary. And she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. And you see that personal connection to the resurrection it says and Jesus said to her touch me not for I'm not yet ascended to my father but go to my brethren and say unto them I ascend unto my father and your and your father and to my God and your God so Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her now I'm going to say this as we begin and we're going to look at verse number 19 and following you find the story of Mary Magdalene as a matter of fact you find these stories from these women were not believed by the disciple but it sets in motion this event that we're going to see sets in motion really the first gathering on the Lord's day up until this point uh, uh, the Jewish people had worshiped on the Sabbath and it was the seventh day of the week, but now the first day of the week, what we now call the Lord's Day, and, and we understand that uh, at least five times in the New Testament on the, the Lord, on his post-resurrection appearances, we're on the Lord's Day. And it sets this in motion. I said this morning, you know, we celebrate Easter because on the first day of the week, they, they went into the tomb and, and they found the Lord. But you'll find that all throughout the New Testament, continuing in the book of Acts, that they gathered in some place like we're gathering today and they gathered on the first day of the week and the disciples continued that principle on. And I said to you five different times here that on the first day of the week that you find the Lord appearing. They tell us that more than likely he appeared personally to Peter on Sunday afternoon. And later in this chapter, in chapter 21, you find Peter publicly confesses his faith and, and continue to follow the Lord as in the passage, if you love me, feed my sheep. And if you love me, feed my lambs. If you love me, feed my sheep. And so you find that passage of Scripture. So now we're looking at, in verse number 19, uh, the first Sunday night gathering. And it might have been the first Sunday night, what we might call Sunday night church. And you say, man, were they there? That must have been a pretty exciting time. Well, you'll find that they might not have been there for the best of reasons. As a matter of fact, if you look at verse number 19, the Bible says this, and then the same day, that's the same day, Sunday night at evening, the beginning, the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace 
unto you. So here you find this. You say, what happened? Let me give you just four or five things here that you find in this, in this story on this first Sunday night. As the disciples were gathered, by the way, they were not necessarily gathered for what we would call for a worship service. They were hiding behind closed doors because of the fear of the Jews. The Jews would have thought they've done something to the body of the Lord. They've done, say, they've played some trick. Here are these that, uh, the, here are these that were following him and they've got a lot at stake and the reputation. So they've probably done something with his body. And so here they are hiding and the Bible says this is shut doors but let me give you a few things number one notice this he came to where they were <laughs> now we don't know where they were meeting they weren't meeting like now it's our meetings 125 Watauga Road Elizabeth in Tennessee Sunday morning Sunday school at 10 o'clock and Sunday morning at 11 o'clock Sunday night 6 o'clock Wednesday night 7 o'clock and we now said and you hear me now said on the radio we, we print that on the gospel tracks and, and we hand that out and we, we put it on Facebook and we put it on social media we want everybody to know where we are but these, these disciples were, were meeting for fear of the Jews who knows where they were but let me say this to you God knew exactly where they were Imagine they're in a closed rooms. The Bible said this. They're in a closed rooms, or we may say it this way, behind locked doors, and all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. <laughs> you can imagine that. And somebody said, who let him in? It's the same, thing, same person who let him out of the grave. No, uh, nobody. He let himself in. And so here he stands in the midst of them. You imagine the fear. You imagine the wonder. I mean, think about it. Put yourself there. Put yourself literally the, in his physical earthly body. He shows up in his glorified body. And the Bible says that he's standing there when the doors were shut. You imagine wherever they were, he came to them. But I want you to notice something. I know what I would have done if I was him. I would have come in and said, you bunch of yelly belly cowards, I can't believe you. And where's you? You said y'all was going to follow me to the end. Some of y'all wasn't even around when crucifixion came. And the ones that were, you were hiding in the back. But no, what Jesus came to them and he says this word, he says shalom. He says peace. Boy, you imagine that. You say, I don't know what's going to happen next. We don't know at this point. See, we, we have the advantage of knowing the rest of the story, as Paul Harvey said. They had no idea what was about to happen. But Jesus, please don't miss this, Jesus came to them. Jesus came to where they are in the midst of their fear. And his first words that he said to them were peace. I want you to hold your place here and go back in the Old Testament to the book of Proverbs you say, what's so significant about this? The significance about this is the reminder that the work of the cross brings peace. The work of the cross brings peace. As we think about our own sin, as we think about our own failure, as we think about our own fears, and in Psalm 103, turn there with me. If you find your place in Psalm 103, it's a beautiful psalm, one of my favorite psalms. I've preached many times before from it on uh, forget not all of his benefits. And he talks about the forgiveness of God and the redeeming power of God and the satisfaction. And you find this. But then he says this in verse number 8 of Psalm 103. The Lord is merciful, gracious, slow to anger, 
and plenteous in mercy. Now, every time you read that Bible word, mercy, I remind you that is God withholding from us what we rightly deserve. I mean, we deserve nothing but the wrath of God. We deserve nothing but separation from God. We deserve nothing but spending eternity in a lake of fire forever and ever and ever. And so when we wake up and we have another day of life and we have another day of fellowship with Him, look, it is of the Lord's mercies, the book of Lamentations reminds us, that we're not consumed. And then it says in verse number 9, He will not always chide, neither will He keep His anger forever. But notice in verse number 10, he hath not dealt with us after our sins, nor rewarded us for our iniquities. For as the heaven is high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward them that fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. I want to remind you here in this passage that his first words were the words of peace. You say, how could they have peace because of the crawls and because of the empty tomb? Romans chapter number five, if you ever think about the word peace, I'll remind you in Romans chapter number five, he says this, that being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can actually lay our head on our pillow at night and you say, well, I'm engulfed in fear. I have failed the Lord or I, I, I may not be following like I once did or following like I once should. And you say, well, what is going to happen? The Lord comes to us in our weakest moment and he offers to us peace by the way I'm glad that the crucifixion and the resurrection reminds us look that I can have peace with God through faith so it came to them look Jesus is searching Jesus is seeking in a still small voice oh he, he's not going to show up physically like he did there but he is going to show up. He's going to speak to us through his word. And he's going to speak to us through circumstances. He's going to use other Christians. But many times in life, he, he speaks peace to us. You ever been troubled? You ever have your heart not in the, so troubled that you don't know what to do? And oh, just the word of God, maybe a song on the radio, maybe just a, a word from a preacher, maybe a card, maybe a phone call. And it is if from the balconies of heaven. The Lord Jesus Christ says, peace, I give you peace. You find, first of all, that he came to where they were. He came to them. In verse number 19, let me give you a second thing. In verse number 20, he reassured them of a couple of things. Look in verse number 20. So Jesus showed up at Sunday night church. By the way, you shouldn't miss Sunday night church. You never know when Jesus is going to show up. If you don't believe me, ask Thomas. He missed Sunday night this week, but he didn't miss Sunday night next week. Some of you get that in a minute because you'll find out the next week. Thomas said, I don't believe it unless I put my hand in his, uh, my, my finger in my hand in his side and, and know that this was him. But in verse number 20, he says this, and then he said unto them, I'm sorry, and then when he had said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. And there and then were the disciples glad. Notice this, when they saw the Lord, 
I'll give you a second thing. He reassured them in verse number 20. The Bible says this. He, he had showed up in verse number 19. He's standing there in the midst, and he speaks peace to them. Now, I'm sure at this point they thought it was a ghost. They may have even thought it was their imagination. They don't know what it was. But here he says to them, and he says, he says to them, and he shows them his hands. So the Psalms tells us that he also shows them the wounds in his feet. Psalm 22, I believe it is, says he shows them the wounds here. And the gospel record says he shows them the wounds in his hand and he shows them the wound in his side. You say, what did he reassure them of? What did seeing those wounds reassure them of? I, I, I think it reassured them of two things. First of all, he is who he said he was. <laughs> He said they recognized it was the Lord and then they were glad. So here they are. I don't know. I've got them in my mind in a dungeon somewhere hiding from the Jews. I don't know if that's really exactly the way it was, but they were somewhere behind closed doors for the fear of the Jews. And they were, the Bible says, for the fear of the Jews. So they had taken action out of fear. Jesus shows up, speaks peace unto them. But then when they, he shows them his wounds and he shows them who he is, the Bible says this, then they were glad. As I said to you this morning, when we recognize him for who he is, we'll have joy unspeakable and full of glory. And so he reassures them of who he is. But let me say this, these wounds not only speak of who he is, but let me say this, these wounds speak of the price that was paid. These wounds speak of the price that was paid as we, we think about the, 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 the rugged gruesomeness of the crucifixion and as we think about the, the, not only do we think about the price that was paid as we see these wounds, but he's standing there, as I said to you, the resurrection is the receipt of the payment for our sins that they're paid in full so that one moment they're fearful, but in the next moment they're glad because they recognize they're standing before God. And so you find in verse number 20, he shows them his hands, shows them the wounds in his side. And it really is who it said he was. And then the Bible says in the middle of verse 20, don't miss it. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. And then verse 21, it goes on. He says, so he speaks unto them peace. So that's wonderful. He speaks unto them peace. He shows them who he is and, and they recognize him for what it is. Does it stop there? Notice in verse number 20, well, it doesn't stop with the fact that he came to them or he reassured them. But notice the third thing, he gave them an assignment. In verse number 21, he says this, then said Jesus unto them again, peace be unto you. As my father hath sent me, even so send I you. You find the third thing, he sent them out. Now, that is an interesting concept to me, an interesting thought. They thought, please don't miss this, they thought his work was finished. They watched him, uh, uh, they watched him as he's been uh, beaten and been crucified and been mocked and they think the work is all over. Everything that they had left to follow him and these three years of public ministry, they thought it was all down the drain and, and now they're starting to understand that he's risen and we were just going to go embalm him with some spices and, and give him a proper barrel and think, man, he was some kind of teacher. That was something pretty neat and uh, I mean, you know, they're sitting there confused now they're thinking well if they crucified him they're probably going to crucify us too but in verse number 21 he says to them again peace I, I give you my peace I give unto you and he says this as my father has sent me even so send I you now 
Don't miss this. You say, he said that to him on Saturday morning bus meeting. No, no, no. He said that to him on Thursday night visitation. No, he said that to the crowd that was hiding out. Because <laughs> they thought it was all over. He says this, please don't miss it. He says, just like my father has sent me into the world, I'm sending you. You say, what's so significant about that? The thing that I love about it is we can, we can criticize those first century disciples if we want to. We can say, I would have never done this or I wouldn't have done that or I, they should have been more bold in their faith. But here they are hiding. But here, don't miss this. He says, I'm sending you. We'll look on this as we think about Wednesday night as we have an opportunity to send a missionary. You say, we send a missionary out as he's going to what we call a dangerous place. But what is he doing? He is going forth into the world. And as we, we think about this privilege, he, he did not send them at their strongest point in their life. He sent them out at their weakest point when they thought it was all over. Please don't miss this. Even in the midst of their frailty and failure, God entrusted them with his work. And he says to them, my work's not done. My work is not finished. Oh, the work of salvation is completed. We know with these 40 days, he'll have these post-resurrection appearances and he'll descend into the lower parts and then he'll ascend to heaven. We, we know that the work of redemption and uh, Acts chapter number one, Lord willing, Sunday morning, we'll talk about it as we, we think about it as he goes up to his father. But he says this, my work on this earth is not done. And if my work on this earth is not done, the only people are my disciples. As a matter of fact, if you see here in verse number 18, he mentioned the disciples. And then he says in verse number 19, again, the disciples. And they tell us that more than just the 12 were there, but those were the disciples. Those were followers and, and those who had claimed the name of Christ. And I say this to you, the principles, the same. Though we are not gathered in a locked basement hiding from the Jews, and though we are not fearing, for our life and though we are not fearing Roman crucifixion and though we are not fearing necessarily what's going to happen next Jesus is still saying the same thing to us as he gathers in our midst he says I'm sending you into the world just like my father has sent me if God is going to do his work in this world he's going to use broken vessels just like us and he says I'm sending you Now you say, well, you sure you're sending us? We're the ones hiding in the basement. I don't know if they's in the basement, but you get the picture. You say, well, I don't know how this is going to happen. Let me give you a fourth thing you find in verse number 22. Not only did he come to them in their darkness and fear, not only did he reassure them of who he was and the sacrifice had been made, not only did he send them out, but notice this in verse number 22. He empowered them to do the task. This is sometimes where we miss it. We say, man, I'm not able. And no, you're not able. But in verse number 22, he's starting to teach them something about the Spirit of God. And by the way, don't let this spook you. He says in verse number 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. And he says in verse 22, 23, whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them, and whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. I'll explain that verse to you in just a minute. Don't misunderstand it. 
But he says to them in verse number 22, he says, I'm giving you. You remember that other comforter I taught you about earlier in this book? It wasn't really a book and chapter, but earlier in my teaching when I said to you, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to send you another comforter. He says, well, he's coming. So you say, how can they go out and face a world that is hostile to the Lord Jesus Christ? It's the same day that he's risen from the dead. They crucified him three days earlier and he is saying to them, now you go to the world and tell them who I am. So how are we going to do that? He said, you're going to do that with the breath of God on you. You're going to do that with the Spirit of God. Look, he had been with them. He had walking side by side with them. He had, he had been with them everywhere they had gone, and, and he had empowered them, and now he's teaching them something. He had been with them, but now the transformation is changing place. He is no longer going to be with them, but he's going to be in them. We know just a few pages later in our scripture that on the day of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, that the Spirit of God came to indwell the believers there and they spoke the word of God with boldness in this broken vessel that we call the Apostle Peter, this loudmouth that we call the Apostle Peter, this backslidden preacher that we call the Apostle Peter was going to stand and preach and thousands be saved. You say, how? Look, please don't miss it. With the power of God on his life through the Spirit of God. You say the world's hostile to us. The world is hostile to us, but last time I checked, they're not looking to crucify any of us. You say they might belittle me, they might send me a sensitivity training. They might. They might say, well, you're just archaic and you're out of date and you're out of touch with the world. But these were literally hiding, fearing for their very life. And the Lord Jesus Christ shows up to them and he says, now I'm sending you out in the world that just crucified me, but I'm not sending you in your own power. I'm not sending you in your own frailness. I'm not sending you in your own weakness. I'm sending you with my spirit. Let me say this to you. That work hasn't changed. Why we gather tonight, we gather tonight to be exhorted, to be encouraged. We exhort to now, the Bible says we gather, and Hebrews says this, and uh, we forsake not to assemble ourselves together. It's a matter of some is, but we, we, we rather exhort one another. And the Bible says this, more and more as the sea they approaching. You say, what does that mean? The closer we get to seeing the Lord's return, the more church we need, not the less church we need. He said, what's the trend in the world today? Little as you can get by with church work. Say, people are busy. Yeah, they are, but they're busy with the wrong things. And so here he says this, I'm sending you into this world. And then he says in verse number 23, don't miss it. You say, well, what's the confusing thing? He says in verse 23, sometimes we read this the wrong way and people have taken this verse and tried to twist it. But it says, whoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whoever sins ye retain, they are retained unto them. You say, is he giving them the power to forgive sins? Oh, no, that's foolishness. Mark chapter number two and verse number seven reminds us who can forgive sins but God. Matter of fact, they, they, they got really mad at Jesus when he said unto, to the lame man, he says, you, you can, uh, your sins be forgiven you. And they said, who can forgive sins but God? He says, well, is it easier to say your sins be forgiven you or take up your bed and walk? But either way, he got up and walked and his sins were forgiven him. 
So you say, what do we get? Verse 23 says it this way. As the child of God, what is the glorious thing I get to do? I get to go out and announce that forgiveness is available because the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says this, that if you come to him, you say, what's verse 23? Say, it's what I said to you this morning. It's everything I preached this morning when I said if you, just, if you trust in the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ, his record is on your account. That's what verse number 23 is talking about. So he sends us forth with the message of forgiveness, with the message of peace. I say this to you in closing. You say, well, preacher, what does all this mean to us today? Well, it means this, that Though we may not be doing everything we should be doing, he comes to us and offers to us peace. Peace with God through the justification of the Lord Jesus Christ. He offers to us peace. He offers it to us. But he doesn't just offer us peace. He enables us to do his work. And he gives us the grand and glorious responsibility to take the message of forgiveness to a lost and dying world that knows nothing about peace with God. You say, man, they're mad at God. They're angry with God. They're, they're fighting God. That's all true. But how in the world are they going to know anything about the peace of God if those of us that don't have the, that those of us that have the peace of God don't Tell them of it. So it's interesting. He didn't come on this Easter Sunday night and say, man, man, that was pretty neat this morning, wasn't it? Say, yeah, we had a good time this morning. Say, man, that's good, wasn't it? He said, no, 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 please don't miss it. He said, now you've got a work to do. I've done the work of salvation. You have the work of telling of my salvation. And tonight I say this to you as a pastor of this church and as we think about our own place, I wonder, what about those kids that were here today? And what about those families that were here today? And what about those people that were here today? You say, man, I, I'm not what I should be. Aren't you glad he's not dealt with us after our sins? You say, I don't, have, I don't really, I'm not really good at that. I'm not really the person that I, I, no, no, no. He says he'll breathe on us the breath of God. He indwells us by his spirit. And say this, look, we who have peace with God have been commissioned to go out into the world. And before you say this, please don't miss this. And before you say, well, Brother Mark, it ain't like it used to be. They don't really like God now. Well, I, I know America has changed, but look, Rome didn't like him. They just crucified him three days earlier. And the disciples and the followers of the Lord are hiding behind closed doors. And Jesus said, now I am who I said I am. I have made the payment for your sin. Now you go out and tell everybody else about it. And that command is still given. So you say, what's the greatest thing that we can do on Easter? And that is this, that we can commit 
more and more and more of our life to taking the message of forgiveness to a lost and dying world. That's what they need. That's what they need. You say, what would Jesus tell you if he showed up? What if Jesus just showed up right here? Well, I'd have a feeling he'd say the same thing. Peace. <laughs> the sacrifice been made. I am who I am. Now go out in the world and tell them about me. That's our responsibility. As I, as the Father sent me, even so send I you. I want you to bow with me and pray.